0: <laughs> oh, 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 wait a minute. It's supposed to be Anthony opening Hello, it today. <laughs> ladies
1: and gentlemen, I am Anthony Smith, lead economist here at Freightwaves, and you're watching Freightonomics, and I am here with. Zach Strickland. Yes. Director of Freight Market Intelligence. Excellent. And today we have quite a show lined up for you. Yes, we do.
0: And yeah, so yeah, Anthony is supposed to open the show today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He looked a little different on the camera there. For those of you viewing and those of you that are viewing, be sure to check out on LinkedIn as Anthony, you will be monitoring for any of your comments uh or suggestions that are going in Facebook as well. Um and we do have a pretty action packed show today. We didn't bring on any guests. Not no, this week. Back not to this basics. week. We the need to bring it in. Well. We take a minute every now and again just to you know bring it back in, make the show, you know, take it back to its core, you know, get some synergy going between me and Anthony. We haven't talked enough uh lately. So we figure we're going to have a little discussion today about how the election cycles and the election outcomes themselves impact the overall economy. Uh, But we also have some stories to cover. And I believe today was actually a pretty strong story day, Anthony Smith. Yes. Yes. Uh, Some of these uh, that I pulled out is kind of a rehash of what we talked about a few weeks ago. But I think it's worth mentioning as this is an ongoing story, in my opinion, in terms of the driver shortage. Mm. Uh, Driver shortage becoming another buzzword in the industry uh, yet again. Uh, For years, you know, we kind of heard about this driver shortage being the reason that, you know, you can't really keep rates where they are. And it was kind of, you know, I think more of a hey, this is not working out for me for the, some of these larger carriers because a lot of what happens is they have these excessive amounts of turnover. There's high amounts of cost involved in this turnover. Uh, some of these carriers experiencing as much as 100% turnover a year, uh, which means that they are turning over their entire driver uh, size. So if they had 10 drivers, they would they would literally have either, they would quit or fire and then replace those 10 drivers every year. And of course, we're talking about probably hundreds and thousands of drivers for some of these larger carriers Uh, and there is a ton of cost involved in that so now we're talking about driver shortage yet again but for different it's a different set of
1: circumstances did you read this article Anthony by Alan Adler? Alan Adler yeah Alan Adler puts out some great things and there's a few key issues I think were outlined in this one um, especially when I think was older drivers
0: yeah, the pandemic obviously has had a huge impact on uh, you know, the whole world. <laughs> but yeah. but specifically when we're talking about the drivers, a lot of these drivers are now saying, like, you know what? I'm gonna socially distance myself, not in a truck.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think so. I don't want to go down this entire tire, this entire no. lane. Because I could. I mean, this can be like another thirty-minute show on we're it. We're not gonna do that. <laughs> this goes back to a whole nother situation <laughs> where there should probably be we could like solely zoom in on the cameras. Like, <laughs> 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 there can be like this entire industry shortage that's kind of being driven by this younger generation that's being pushed into college or universities that where they should be taking up a trade, because they're just going to be over um, burdened with this debt that they're never going to use for this degree that they didn't really, really, really want. But now they're making these crazy decisions at 17, 18 years old, what am I going to do for the next my rest of my life with hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt when maybe I could become a millionaire by starting my own uh, uh, transportation logistics company. And here I am with debt. And I, it's just so yeah, older drivers.
0: Yeah, older drivers, for
1: younger drivers and except except
0: Anthony, 25 percent of the driving schools are still shut down. I mm-hmm. know the bottleneck. So we still got, you know, on top of everything you just mentioned, we still have uh, all these limitations uh, placed on us by the covid world and also just the fact that, you know, truck driving is not necessarily the most popular job, uh, that people are looking for at this moment. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, length of haul, you know, being away from your family, uh, you know, it, it is not the life for everybody. It is a hard life to live, especially for those over the road drivers. And in this article, which is specifically, uh, the results of the Atri, um, driver, sh- uh, surveys that they put out every year, tracking truckings, uh, critical issues. And they ask drivers and carriers, uh, you know, what their main concerns throughout the year are going to be. And, um, this was number one, the driver shortage being a thing, uh, number one. And another interesting aspect of this article, and be sure to check it out on freightways.com. Uh, the, there was little agreement over what were the most important issues between motor carriers and drivers. I know this isn't a huge shock, (laughs) but at the same time, they prioritize things very differently, uh, except for, you know, obviously the drivers are more concerned about their day-to-day operational activities, whereas the motor carriers are more concerned about, you know, kind of that macro activity. Drivers were, for instance, more concerned about delays at the shipper because that's you know, taking away their productive work time, uh, hours of service, uh, is more concerning to them versus the carriers themselves, uh, because that does interfere with their productivity right. and then they get to hear about it and they don't get paid, uh, in their per mileage and their wage. Uh, so yeah, things that would impact my pay, I would be upset about and put a higher priority, to, prior, priority on as well. Right. Would you yeah. agree? Completely makes sense. Yeah. So next up in the stories. Now, this, again, is something that we've covered on the show uh, in pretty deep detail. Uh, Prologis sees logistics space in short supply by early 2021. Of course, Prologis, uh, big warehousing, third-party warehousing provider uh, throughout the United States. uh, they They track a ton of information. Uh, based on their, you know, capacity constraints, how much inventory turnover, like, you know, just the consumer activity in general. They have a lot of visibility into that because they are one of the largest uh, providers in the United States, uh, and they have warehouses all over the place. Basically, they're saying it's filling up. Yeah,
1: yeah, (laughs) especially in those heavy, densely populated areas. I think it outlines Southern California, New Jersey, New York, uh, Dallas, Atlanta. I mean, and that definitely makes sense because you're looking at these large metropolitan areas, looking to get more and more closer or more, I guess, conveniently located, strategically located to that final consumer. And this makes all the sense in the world when we're looking at, you know, I want to do same day shipping or next day delivery, things like that. Yeah, this whole transition into the e-commerce, you know, obviously
0: there's been a boom of e-commerce on top of the already, <laughs> we were already transitioning to the e-commerce world. Uh, prior to COVID, it really just put an, ex- you know, it hammered down the accelerator pedal on that. It is growing significantly. And of course, this means that supply chains and suppliers have to adapt to consumer behaviors, yeah. which has been the theme of 2020. How do they adapt quickly? I mean, you're talking about supply chains that stretch all the way across the world and they've got to figure out sourcing, warehousing, logistics, transportation, all these different facets of it over multiple providers in a largely outsourced environment. Right. It's a mess. I'm kind of glad that I'm sitting here talking to
1: you. Right. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> Zach, I am here for you. Um, the other thing that we had, I think, that we had outlined was... Uh, an article of a city lockdown for three months.
0: Yes, yes. So this was, this was just interesting to me. This is not on Freightways.com. This is Bloomberg, uh, you know, somebody that we've been compared to in the past uh, <laughs> for freight. Uh, now, obviously, they, they encompass the entire world and, and globe and financial industry specifically where they got their start. But they, this was an interesting article on Bloomberg, and it, and it covered, uh, you know, Melbourne, Australia. They went through some of the strictest lockdown. And again, this is one of those big questions of 2020 going into 2021. Are we going to have to endure another lockdown? Are there going to be more restrictions placed on us? Some of these concerns obviously are going to be addressed in the election coming up, which we will hit here in a little bit. But this was a fascinating read to me in the way that they outlined, uh, you know, this city went through the most extreme lockdown procedure. It was one of the most extreme lockdowns that we know of in the free world. Um, and the, you know, they largely had the support of the population there. They're very complicit about, you know, saying, okay, we'll be inside, but there was a tremendous economic cost to this. Something that again, we're no stranger to here in the United States either, but, uh, there were heavy fines levied on people that did not, you know, they, they basically were put on curfew. They were only allowed outside for one hour a day for exercise, Uh, shut down schools, restaurants, you name it. This was a lockdown. Yeah. And, you know, they were seeing upwards, like this happened in the summer or the winter there. July 7th is when it began and it lasted till just recently. And the economic cost was uh, just tremendous. Um, Let me look at the, some of it was like 1200 jobs a day. Yeah. in In a city of 5 million people. Um, and then they saw mental health, demand for health services rose uh, 31% yeah. <laughs> between yeah. September and October alone. Um, domestic violence spiked, alcohol consumption increased. Um, it, you know, They said a lot of these places, it's going to take years to recover from this in this one city.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and I, I think, you know, they're, I don't want to glaze over the fact that they were trying to obviously you know, prevent the spread of this virus and deaths. But there is a tremendous, you know, there's a lot to be learned here. And something that I think a lot of people could take away that, you know, even amidst their lockdown, they there was a lot of spiking, (laughs) you know, through through the through the this virus. And so that's something that our leaders have to take into account is
1: did some sort of extreme lockdown actually have did it mitigate it? And how do you know? And, and I think that's interesting. So we're looking at this in um, and, and each country, essentially, in almost each state, essentially now, but each country at, on the onset of COVID-19, it was almost like, hey, this is an experiment. How are your results varying from our results? What's your strategy? What's what's our strategy going to be compared to how you're handling the outbreak? And so we've seen, uh, I think, some of the more Nordic countries potentially do a little bit more herd Uh, immunity approach, um, while we're seeing some other countries just shutting borders off completely. I think New Zealand was one of those countries. Um, and and so it was really interesting to see how different countries are really being impacted by how they responded to this and how they continue to respond. Um, I think we have a comment here from Phil Kuberth here, and, uh, he says, hello from the Pacific Northwest and just wait till COVID vac distribution, talk about a challenge. And I think that's going to be another one that we hit on. I think a couple shows ago, that's going to be a whole nother host of issues, um, hammering the supply chain.
0: Yeah, there is no, you know, and I read this and I'm basically sitting here going, I don't have a clear answer. Yeah, (laughs) Like, I don't, I have no idea what, what you should do. There's probably, this is probably one of the more extreme measures uh, to the side of, you know, quarantining and locking down, which probably is a little overkill if you weigh it economically and, uh, you know, cost of, you know, healthcare, impact to healthcare, et cetera. Uh, But there's the argument against it as well, or, you know, for it in the way that you're looking at some of these Nordic countries experience similar economic catastrophe if they don't do anything at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, you know, I'm kind of moderate in, in nature, but I kind of start to say, okay, let's see if we can kind of whittle down the window of what the balance of, you know, social distancing, locking down and and keeping the economy. I mean, because yeah, you may not see it in explicitly in the numbers, uh, you know, of COVID costs here, but these outside influences such as domestic violence and mental health, uh, people losing their jobs, that's, that's going to have a long tail to it in terms of overall economic impact, as well as the, you know, lifestyle, quality of life, uh, you know, life and death even, yeah. uh, that we can, that we're not going to measure explicitly as related to a COVID situation. So I think that's obviously something that our leaders are struggling with at this point in time, and there's arguments for and against uh, all of them. And I just think that that was one of the more interesting reads that I came across. Uh, Everybody should check that one out if you are interested in
1: getting, you know, another perspective on this uh, outbreak. And I think that that really hones in on a great point. I know we're going to hit in on impacts on the economy um, during election cycles, but I think this really hones in on there is not really a one size fits all when we're looking at this whole um, situation. I mean, we're looking at just the U.S. It's not a one size fit all because if we just had one uh, federal mandate right now, I don't think it would be applicable for each and every state because each and every state's facing each, and even within the state, each and every county is facing a different situation. And so I think that just kind of goes to show is like, it's not a one-size-fits-all ah,
0: at ah. All. So this fits right in. You've it actually does. kind of walked into a little bit of a trap of mine that I did not intend on, on placing here, but you've walked right into it and it transitions into something that I was going to mention later here as we were discussing, how does the election... Impact the economy and what's about to happen in this country. Now, obviously, I do not try to get into the politics. <laughs> I think largely that's waste of time. Um, in general, get into <laughs> it yeah, uh, <laughs> over voting for Trump or Biden, it's not. That's not what this is about. This is simply trying to kind of isolate some of the things that uh, the election will have an influence over. Like mm-hmm. if you vote for Biden, if you vote for Trump, obviously, uh, you know, if we were to hold any of our presidents accountable for the things they promised in the beginning of, of their cycles, that's a stat unto itself. <laughs> yeah. you know? uh, there's been plenty of things promised and, and said in these elections that just never came to fruition. But in general, I think I, I, you know, I wanted to hone it down to something very simplistic. And what you just said in terms of I think that you need to give more decision-making power to you know, individual areas and states, that actually lines up with a Trump Ideal. And again, maybe he goes through with it. Maybe he doesn't if he gets elected. I don't know. (laughs) Or even more so libertarian. Yeah. Yes. He's the conservative side of the of the board tends to support exactly what you just said mm-hmm. and i'm not going to put you in a hole because
1: oh yeah i well i i let my political beliefs yeah. be known here that i don't trust the government at all um i have no I like political it. affiliation i am apolitical i think that's the best way to approach economics just from an I agree 100 point but definitely i mean go with what makes democrat sense standpoint yeah yeah
0: go with what makes sense it doesn't a republican democrat i forget it <laughs> go i uh, you know we're data people here we like mm-hmm. to go with what it makes the most sense what's supported and there's not a single answer for everybody uh in a lot of situations so one of the uh, that's one of the things that is listed as a discrepancy between the Biden and Trump campaign and again uh so if Biden were to win the election one of the things that he would do is take more federal control of the response to covid yeah now again I don't care which side of the the aisle you sit on. uh, That's something that he's promised uh, to do, uh, basically saying we need to have a more of a centralized approach uh, in how we handle this, which can make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, if you think about things, if I I think about it in terms of business applications, there's a lot of functionalities that do make a lot of sense when you centralize them. Uh, Billing, for instance. Collections, things that are controlled centrally. uh, Finances. Things like that really make a lot of sense not to have different little areas you know spread out uh, over the uh, you know the company or the businesses. Um, you want to have centralized control over those things, and this may be one of those things that works out better <laughs> if it yeah. is centralized. Uh, you disagree with that. I tend to think uh, I'm kind of in line with you, you mm-hmm. know New York. Uh, you know just being in a smaller city, smaller town, uh, not as population dense of an area, the studies definitely support that you cannot treat New York City the same way that you treat Chattanooga, Tennessee, right. uh, because we just don't have the density, we don't have the way of life, we don't have the infrastructure uh, that is the same way. Uh, so from that perspective, I'm, I lean a little bit more on your end, and that could have a significant impact on the economy. You know, Just like I was talking about with that Victoria, what's happening in Victoria uh, over there in Melbourne, Australia if you do take a more severe slant on things and again i'm not saying that biden will maybe he does kind of you know just say hey we just want to have a little bit more centralized control over some of these policies and you can still be left to do what you want to do in certain aspects but uh yeah that could definitely
1: change the way that we see 2021 unfolding in yeah. the economic recovery yeah and i mean just from a business standpoint i mean I'm loving Phil in the comments right now. He's, he has an asterisk next to corporate tax structure concerns. That's, that's right on whole, the list. Yeah, <laughs> that's a whole other one right there. And yep. I think, so overall, I mean, just for a, a wide brush right now from an economic standpoint, when I'm looking at uh, election cycles and overall economic growth, I don't see a large impact on a long-term basis just because near-term there's a lot of wait and see. You know, we're going to wait and see who's gonna get elected, what their policies are. And business owners are smart, corporations are smart, they, they're intelligent individuals, and what they do is they wait and see what are gonna be the policies that are in 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 place and then they, they act accordingly. So right now, we might just ha- be in the standstill of a lot of individuals waiting, like, mm-hmm. all right, are we going to get Biden? Are we going to get Trump? Are we going to get Kanye? Are you going to get Joe Jorgensen? <laughs> are we going <laughs> to you know, get the pizza party? And so they're waiting to see what's going to happen within the overall economy. Then they're going to act accordingly. And, and, and it's a brilliant move. And, uh, I mean, I love to see it because, of course, they're going to act in their best interest. Well, they have to. They have to. One of the, one of the biggest... Say, yes.
0: One of the biggest influencing factors of that booming freight market in 2017 and 18 was the tax breaks. Yeah. The Trump tax breaks, uh, that, that, uh, are set to expire here next year, I believe. Um, so it's basically a deferred depreciation again, tremendous amount of business investment in 2017, 2018, and it just fed itself. Now the argument against it is that it overheated the economy. And then we suffered for it in 2019 into 2020 before COVID hit, and we're still suffering from it uh, to an extent because they basically what it does is they go out and they overspend. Mm-hmm. They spend all this money knowing that they're going to get the tax benefit of it in year one, and it has a it has a definitive end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so you basically you overheat the front end, overstimulating things, and things kind of die down because what happens they run out of cash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, and now we're we're kind of in that, you know. Again, who would have predicted COVID? Uh, but businesses are still sitting on a ton of cash right now due to two reasons: COVID nineteen.
1: And they're waiting on this election, as you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a big wait and see. I mean, even though we did see in the most recent uh, durable goods orders, we saw an increase. A lot of that was more downstream on the consumer side. We're looking at motor vehicles. Surprising to see planes kind of coming back a little bit. Um, but we did see some downward movement, I believe, in machinery. And I don't think that's too surprising. Um, and then as we get into the latter months of 2020, we're going to have harder year-over-year comps when we looking at the industrial sector because industrial production started to show some uh, upward movement. 2019 last year towards the end of the year. Um, but definitely, definitely, I think there is without a doubt, I, if I was a business owner, if I was a manufacturer, of course, I'd be waiting to see, okay, what am I going to have? What's going to be the playing field? You know, it's like watching film uh, of the team that you're about to go up against. Or am I going to be, a, is there their pass heavy? Are they run heavy? Are they going to run the option? <laughs> um, you know, what do I have to prepare for? Or, you know, or am I going just going to be like Jolie Dunn in a three-three-five defense and just blitz every single down. You know, there's there's going to be different tactics for different situations when you get on the field, and I think that's where a lot of business owners and corporations are going to be heading right now.
0: Yeah, and and uh, you know the differences, the major differences here are of course, uh, you know, Trump's already had the example of where he's given the tax benefit. He would extend that benefit. He says, uh, you know for how long we don't know. Um, but you could still take, uh, but a lot of people would argue we've already kind of captured the benefit of the tax credits that he gave out there. Um, but one thing that Biden says that he's going to do is he's going to increase the top corporate income tax rate to 28%. Uh, again, uh, I'm not going to claim to be some sort of tax accountant here. There's all sorts of nuances involved here that I will not bore everyone with. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Kind of ex- this kind of overtly feels like okay, corporate tax rate increases, but a lot of these companies, this this is meaningless. This yeah. is a meaningless thing to say, even though a, a lot of people argue that, yeah, well, that'll just reduce their spending. They won't hire as many people. Da 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 da. That's not necessarily true. Um, it it may not actually have any real impact yeah. <laughs> at all. It's kind of one of those things that these they go out and say, but most of these companies have all sorts of things working in their favor Mm -hmm. at the top tier. And this is almost a nothing kind of discrepancy, in my opinion, Uh, from what I know about this type of stuff. It is not, it's it's actually, uh, you know, know, the small businesses and new investment is really where I want, you know, the most tax breaks. If it's up to me, it's not this high end, you know, Walmart tax level type deal, which they know all about, know how to influence and get around it all day long. I'm more I'm more concerned about that small business aspect, which neither side really, you know, explicitly, uh, you know, approaches yeah. in some of their policies. Yeah. they really they really talk at a high level. And the way that's that, where the majority of the business is. Yeah, that's where most of the business is. Uh, you know, how Biden kind of gets around this idea that he's going to tax the big businesses is that he's going to encourage uh, a better growth in the environmental Field and basically, you know, something we need. Obviously, you know, we're you can't just continuously cut down forests and then burn them up into the atmosphere (laughs) as as we're doing. And of course, um, it's you know, basically, he's going to invest a bunch of money in the green initiatives, which is positive, it's federally backed, uh, because there's not a ton of incentive for people on their own to go out and create green businesses Mm -hmm. again. You know there's arguments of like well you need the private side that's what the other side of the aisle would say is that you need to privatize it and make it grow well the private sector hasn't really shown that it really cares <laughs> about uh, that as much as the uh, you know and that is in my opinion one of the responsibilities of the you know world governments to kind of keep that in check because as we've seen over the industrial revolution businesses will act of their own self-interest yeah. to the des- detriment
1: of the populations if they are left unchecked. Yeah. And that is fact. <laughs> yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head right there is where do incentives come into play? I mean, and, it, and it's on a very high level and on the individual level, because I think um, what we had here in the comments um, from Phil not too long ago, talking about the driver shortage, um, he mentioned uh, earlier on in the, in the conversation about how um, the financial benefits uh, from the unemployment benefits. I mean, and so there are financial incentives all across the board, whether it's on an individual basis, on a small business basis, on a mid-sized large corporation. And that's really what I think is gonna be one of the main drivers is what are those incentives and what are, what are we pushing you know people to do? I mean, we have Tom Heights right here in the comments saying, every citizen needs to get in the game and stand up against long-term politi- politics on both sides. Um, Robert Hill, chief executive officer here, uh, saying most of the spot market in my sector has slowed down. And I believe that it's just that they need to see how the election turns out. And so really a lot of wait and see. And so I'm, I'm loving the comments here in this, uh, LinkedIn board right now, (laughs) Timothy Dooner saying, what's a flea flicker, a double brokering. (laughs) And so (laughs) I love it. Um, (laughs) but I think there's a lot of great points being discussed here.
0: Yeah, no, and it's it's extremely important that people do understand what they're they're supporting and get getting behind here. Uh one of the things that has been a huge uh you know impact of the Trump administration, the trade tensions between us and China. Obviously, one of his top agenda items was to really decrease our dependence on China and he's going to incentivize companies not to outsource uh, to near shore, obviously, which has been, uh, you know, not that a lot of companies need more incentive to do that at this point, knowing that all the, all the risks involved with, uh, you know, that they've encountered over the last two years in terms of geopolitical problems and as well as now biological problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those tensions are going to persist regardless of who's in the office. I know China would obviously prefer to get somebody else in there um, <laughs> to, yeah. to settle that tension between these two countries. But it's ultimately up to the corporations, uh, to make these decisions. And China still has a huge population. Last time I checked and a lot of infrastructure built around being basically the world's industrial production
1: center. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we've discussed it before. And I think that's, that's a big point is that they've built their country around being the most affordable manufacturer in the world. Um, they, have literally been able to, not so much as of late, because I think they just had their latest GDP numbers come out and not too good, even for China's numbers, which I don't trust them putting out their own numbers (laughs) either. But um, they've even been able to... The only economy to grow. The only (laughs) economy to grow. (laughs) And so even when I see, you know, they're building roads and and ghost cities to nowhere, um, they have essentially built an infrastructure around being the most affordable and the fastest and the most uh, strategically... Uh, country to go to for uh, any type of large-scale manufacturing. And I understand the dependency or want to get out of that dependency and, and have nearshoring um, or, or, you know, even domestic production. But being able to compete with that after what they've done is that's really difficult to do. And so that's where it comes into incentives, right? So we're looking at these companies, these corporations. They're going to have some incentives for doing uh, business overseas, whether it's tax breaks incentives or... Uh, or being able to just be able to you know move a little bit more quickly in the supply chain.
0: Yeah, and that's something that I mean, obviously, you just like you know we talked about it back in the day. You don't want to have too much of your customer concentration in one account mm-hmm. or two accounts. Your top ten accounts tend to drive your business decisions uh, and your revenues overall, uh, and then the rest of them tend to support all of those behaviors. Uh, you don't want to have one supplier, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you won't, don't want to have too much. All your eggs in one basket. I know the the cliche still persists right now. Uh, But we're coming up on a minute to go, Anthony Smith. And I want to make sure as we close down this uh, political discussion, as now we've told you exactly who to vote for. And good news, (laughs) a lot of you have uh, already voted. There's been Mm -hmm. record numbers of that. Good for you. Go out and vote if you haven't. uh, And definitely get there. Uh, But Halloween is this Saturday, Anthony. Oh, wow. And
1: my question to you today Best horror monster. Monster? Ah, I don't know. Does the creeper count from Jeepers Creepers?
0: Yeah, that'll work.
1: I might go with him. I I,
0: I kind of am a fan of, and I don't know if you consider this a monster, but Mm. Samara from The Ring. Ooh, that's good. Was the first one that really gave me that, like, oogie or that crazy you know moaning girl from the grudge the japan yeah, yeah, the yeah, japanese yeah. horror just really yeah they take it to another level gets gets in my it's like my supernatural thing. and monster at the same time <laughs> Well, thank you so much for watching. Be sure to check us out every week, 2 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time, and be mm-hmm. sure to check out, download the Freightways TV app on podcast players everywhere. Look up Freightonomics or look up Freightcasts and get every Freightways podcast. Great quarter guys, what the truck? Put that coffee down oh, and drilling deep and drink more water.
1: That you need to be hydrated, right?